been a good week to be with you. I've enjoyed my address being North Walton for, for one week. Everyone has been so kind, so nice to me. We might just stay. <laughs> no, we, we will leave in the morning for Texarkana, then for Commerce, Texas, then Waxahachie, and the road is long. <laughs> but we, we do it every year. We report to all the congregations that support our girls in the safe houses in the program to try to curb human trafficking. Thank you very much for letting us park here because we're self-supporting and it does help us out a lot. Because normally we have to stay at a Corps of Engineers many times, and even though old fuddy-duddies get a discount, it's still expensive. <laughs> Why be a missionary? You know, I've been a missionary for 33 years. I've never asked that question, really. But sometimes people will ask me, you know, about, about mission work and about being a missionary, and I know they're questioning, and some will just say, well, no, I couldn't do that. You know, I couldn't be a missionary. Uh, that's not just, that's not me. Well, I guess as long as I can remember after I was baptized, and that's been 60, 67 years ago. I've been active in the Lord's Church one way or another for 65 years. I've always wanted to be a missionary. That was my dream. That was my hope. I feel very grateful to God for the opportunity, and I thank him daily for the opportunity to, to serve him and to serve those that he loves. But it may still be a question for you. The early church in Jerusalem, you were looking at Acts chapter 2, verse 41, 3,000 souls right there in the very beginning became members of the Lord's church. Acts 4 and 4 talks about the fact that so many were becoming members of the Lord's church. Going up to 5,000 members of the Lord's church in a very short period of time, too. Acts 4 and 20 says they, they just couldn't hold back. They just had to teach God's word. And we see that in the apostles and the disciples of Christ during that period of time. They didn't hold back. They had to spread God's word. Maybe it's like Paul said. Paul said to the Galatians, he said, Woe is me if I do not. I am compelled and, you know, I have felt that compulsion for many years that I want to save souls. And sometimes people would say, well, you can't go to heaven unless you take someone with you. And that may be true. By 514, and by the way, that reference over there to 5,000 is only men. It doesn't even include women and children. But you come along to Acts chapter 5, verse 14, it says, Men and women were being converted to the Lord's church in large numbers. Did some research some time ago about the size of the Jerusalem church, and there's just a lot of discussion about how many were in the Lord's church in Jerusalem in the early days of the beginning of the Lord's church. And some have estimated, I think it's Reinhardt estimated, that between 100 and 120,000, but I don't hardly agree with his calculations because 
There were many people that were coming into uh, Jerusalem during that time from many foreign countries, and they were being converted, and then they would go back to their home nation many times. But I expect the church was pretty big. It was growing. The church in Jerusalem was not a small congregation. It was a very large congregation of people that were new converts. Most, if not all, in the beginning were Jews, Jews that converted to Christianity. I remember when, when I was traveling in business, and that's been a long time ago, and I would leave sometimes on Sunday afternoon and fly to San Juan, Puerto Rico, and then to other destinations. And there was a, a Jewish man that would, many times he would sit right beside me, and he was going to, to San Juan every, every week just about. And he said, you know, I'm a Jew for Christ. And we, we would take up take time to talk about Jews for Christ and how Jews were turning to Christianity and how he believed that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah that the Jews had looked for for many years. It was a very interesting conversation. The thing is, the church in Jerusalem was growing very rapidly. When I graduated from high school in 1955, I remember that I went to David Lipscomb that summer and I can remember that that time, and, and when I went back and studied church history more, from the 1950s to the 1970s, the Churches of Christ were the fastest growing religious group in the United States. Number one, where are we today? Way, way down the list. I don't know how far we are down the list now. We're not growing in the way that we have in the previous years. But at that time, I can remember that over and over again in a few years after I'd been in Nashville, Tennessee, I'm originally from Columbia, Tennessee, almost every night that we had an opportunity, we would be going to someone's house to study the Bible, and we used that old-fashioned film strip the Jewel Miller film strips. You may remember you advanced it as, the, as it, the bell would ring. But you know, it was very effective. And we converted a lot of people as a re result of that. But what has happened? In the past 10 years, the, the Lord's Church has lost 500,000 adherents. That means members and people who would attend the services of the Lord's Church. That's disturbing. Very disturbing. What are we going to do about trying to grow again? I think that we ever want have to become missionaries. I think we do. And I think I'll try to show you tonight that God expects us all to be missionaries. Now, that doesn't mean that everyone is going to go into a foreign field like I've been in four foreign countries during the 33 years that I've been in the mission field. No, that's not necessary. But there are things that you can do right here at home to be missionaries to your neighbors, to your friends, to your relatives, and to everyone that you come in contact with. I find that as we visit congregations, the congregations have active personal evangelism programs are growing. The congregations that don't have active personal evangelism programs are just what, what you call plateaued, plateaued or declining. So personal evangelism is mission work, and it's at home, and it needs to be done in every congregation. 
I've done some research looking at the Pew Research Group that they're very, very good at doing research. And I want to share with you some of the things that I learned, which were very disturbing to me. In the United States today, 70% of the population of the United States believe that truth is relative. There is no truth. You know, they don't recognize this as the truth. 70% of the population in the last Pew Research program said that. But even in the Lord's Church, 55% today do not accept the Word of God as being verbally inspired. And that's what's disturbing. Abortion. 1973, the Supreme Court passes Roe versus Wade, and it makes the law that you can murder the unborn, unborn child. Since 1973, 61 million babies have been murdered. Well, the people of the United States in the Pew Research said 55% of all the people of the United States said, yes, a mother should have a choice. She should decide if the baby lives or dies. And in the Lord's church, according to the Pew, and I don't know where they surveyed, how many churches of Christ they surveyed, they said 38% of the members of the Lord's church say, yes, a mother has a right to make that decision. You see, that fact that this is no longer recognized as the truth creates some severe problems for the church today. So we need to be missionaries, and I'm going down the line, liberal. The United States is 64% liberal. We see that in the elections. We see that in the breakdown of the population. Even in the Lord's church, 12% of our members are liberal in their thinking. LGBTQ. I don't know how many more letters you can add to that, but that's just about the end of it, I think. 62% of the population of the United States say, yes, that's their truth. That's how they determine their truth. And if that's their truth and it's not yours, you accept them and you don't try to do anything about them. You don't try to change them because that's their truth. And truth is determined by a lot of different things. Where you were born, uh, the, the childhood that you lived, uh, the circumstances of your environment, uh, the things that you came in contact with, and that makes your truth one thing. And another person, it's called pluralism. Another person has that different kind of truth. But to say that God's word is the truth, no. And even in the Lord's church, 35% of the members evaluated by the Pew Research Group said if they come in the door, you accept them as brothers and sisters in Christ and you don't question them. That's their truth. Evolution. 60% of the world, uh, United States population says evolution is not a theory, it is a fact. And it is even in many of the textbooks and cities that we go to, evolution is taught as a fact. In the large church, 16%, according to the Pew Research team, yes, it is fact. And 29% said, no, it's theistic evolution. If there was a big bang, but God controlled the big bang, that's called theistic evolution. And that's what many people believe. And I could go on to many others. So there is a great need for mission work in the Lord's church, outside the Lord's church in the United States and all over the world. A very great need that we need to address. And we have the responsibility 
to spread God's word. Why be a missionary? Number one, God commands, and there it is on the, world, on the board right there, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That is our responsibility. Matthew 28 also teaches, verse 17, Go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It is a command of God. And when I was in the military service, I hated it. Oh, I hated it. But when they gave an order, you know what we would normally say? If he said jump, we said, how high? <laughs> it was a command, and we obeyed the commands. Because if we didn't, we knew the results. But God is not that way. The judgment's not today. It's later. But God has commanded that we go and teach his word. But in the Lord's church today, approximately 12% are fulfilling that command. And the 88% will say, well, I'm too old. I don't know enough of God's word to teach other people. Or I'm too young to teach other people. People don't want to hear the gospel. And they have all these excuses of why they're not involved in the command to go and preach God's word. Will God accept these flimsy excuses? Can a Christian not tell how I became a Christian and why I became a Christian? I think you can. We are soldiers of Christ. And when I was in the military service, and I was only in for six months and then six years of, of reserve, that was, that was long enough right there. I knew I, I would never make a career of that because I wanted to be a soldier in another army. That's right. But Paul says that no soldier will contaminate himself with the world because he wants to get approval of his commanding officer. That's right. Who is our commanding officer? That's right, God. We want to please God. And we have a responsibility to please him. Galatians 3, 9, if any man preach any other gospel. But Paul does not understand that many of the members of the Lord's church say, well, now that's the responsibility of the preachers, of the elders, of the deacons. That's what we pay them for. No. Paul said any man, any Christian has that same responsibility to go and to teach God's word. To other people. Galatians 5 9, let us not lose heart, for in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary. And sometimes it seems the church is growing weary. Recently, the Southern Baptist Convention, which have enormous records, we don't have the ability to know. I, I used to hear reports, well, we've lost about a hundred missionaries in the past five or six years, and that we're down 100 from what we have had in previous years in the mission field. But the Southern Baptist Convention reported in Nashville, Tennessee, that they had lost 938 missionaries 
in the past five years. We know that religion has been on a decline, the worst decline that has ever existed in the United States in the past eight years, a tremendous decline in religion. But there is a decline in mission work throughout the Christian world. And yet today, Christians are the most persecuted people in the world. That's hard to believe, but it is the truth. Number three, love lost souls. And we may have a problem here. Coming in contact with some people, and they don't see their Baptist neighbor, their Catholic neighbor, their denominational neighbor as being lost. But they are. If God judges them according to the scriptures, which I'm sure he will, they are lost. But many members of the Lord's church today say, well, maybe God will let them go in. I don't think we can make that assumption. So it is a major problem of why we are not showing as much love for the lost as we should. We have a responsibility that goes all the way back to the Old Testament. Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You come over to the New Testament. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37. And it is quoted in one version or another eight times in the New Testament. It doesn't matter if it was only one time that he quoted Leviticus 19 and 18 to love your neighbor as yourself. And then we can't be like some that we've heard. Well, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Any human being upon the face of this earth is our neighbor. And we have a responsibility. We are to love our neighbor as ourselves. What is the greatest gift that you can give to your neighbor? The gospel of Jesus Christ. The hope of eternal life. There's nothing more important. There's nothing greater that we can give to our neighbor than this. Number four, Christ is the only answer to this world. Religion declining in the United States at a very rapid rate, declining faster in denominations than it is in the Lord's church. But that's no consolation. The only answer is a return to God and to God's word. There is no other answer. For the United States, for the world, that is the answer. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And that is right. Jesus Christ is the answer. And God is speaking to us through his word, his inspired word, and giving us instructions on what? and how to do the job. I'm working primarily in Asia. I've worked in China for 19 years. We're expanding the area where we work into the Mekong River Delta area. And by reading research that I've read, in the next 10 years, Asia will become the center of Christianity. And they've got a lot of evidence to show that that will be the case. 
60% of the world's population is in Asia, yet the churches of Christ will only send 13% of their mission dollars to Asia, 13%. And yet that is 60% of the world's population. Now, I have absolutely nothing against Central America, and the church is growing and doing great. But it would look like a postage stamp on Asia. We need to place the emphasis upon where we can convert the most souls and save the most souls for Jesus Christ. And I think that is Asia today. 4.5 billion people. And it's like one preacher said, why in the world do we just continually hammer and hammer on the people in the United States, giving them the gospel plan and telling them about salvation over and over again when the people of Asia have not heard it the first time? I think he has a point. I think he does. Number five, the New Testament example for us. Oh, I love Philippians chapter 1, the way Paul starts off Philippians chapter 1. Paul and Timothy, slaves of Jesus Christ, and I think it is such an honor and a privilege to be a slave for Jesus Christ. No problem. Some of your translation may say servants. Some may say bond servants. It depends on the translation. To be a slave for Jesus Christ is the greatest honor and the greatest privilege that any human being can have. And Paul and Timothy are prime examples. They are our perfect example for us to follow today. And again, the greatest gift that we can give to any human being on this earth is the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's nothing greater. Paul said we can, I mean, the apostles and the disciples in in Acts said, we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. That's the way we should be. We cannot stop speaking. Last year when I spoke down at Waxahachie, Texas, a man came up to me and he said, Ron, he said, every conversation I have, anywhere I am, at, at Walmart or any place that I am, he said, somehow I'll work the conversation around to where do you go to church? What are your religious beliefs? He said, I am going to try to teach every human being that I come in contact with. And that's what we need to be doing. The whole days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine for bread or a thirst for water, but rather for hearing the word of the Lord. Amos 8 and verse 11. Amos was a man, he was a shepherd, he was a dresser of sycamore, he was way down about 20 miles south of Jerusalem. He was not well educated, but he was a prophet of God, one of the first prophets of God. Jeroboam was up in the northern kingdom, and the God appeared to Amos, he said, Amos, I want you to go up there and I want you to preach to these people. I want you to change their hearts and change their ways because they're going off in an awful direction. And he goes up there to change the people. He tries his best. They hated him. They hated him. They rejected the truth. But he continued to try. He continued to preach. He was a prophet of God. Our land today is in a famine. 
We have a famine, not for food, not for water, but for God's word. And you and I have the responsibility to be the prophet like Amos was when he went up to the northern kingdom to preach and to teach and try to bring the people back to God. We have a God-given responsibility that we must fulfill. So, why be a missionary? Number one, because God commands it. Number two, because we love lost souls. I forgot number one, because there is a great need in the Lord's church and outside of the Lord's church. And we have a responsibility to every human being upon the face of this earth. I don't have 33 more years. I'm sure of that. I want to go home. But I do not plan to retire. I do not plan to slack off. I do not plan to change what I'm doing because I have a responsibility to those that I love that are lost. And I'm trying to transfer that responsibility so that you realize that you have the same responsibility to the people of this community and the people all over the world. If you're subject to the gospel invitation, if you need to come forward tonight, let something be known, let the elders pray for you, whatever you need. Maybe you decided you want to be a missionary. It's not the easiest thing in the world, but it's the most rewarding. We have the best retirement program that you've ever seen. The pay is not so great, but the retirement program is wonderful. We were talking about it right before church service tonight. It's a wonderful retirement program. If you're subject in any way, would you come while together we're standing and singing? If you haven't had the opportunity to, to take a